Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I am. I got no problem with that. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I proudly declare that. I will proudly represent him. Proudly. Why? Because he delivered me from Egypt. That is why. Because he's my God. Because he walks with me. Beautiful, right? Like, this is great. If, if you obey. If you obey. What a great motivation to just obey. We've all had an experience at one time or another of eating something that tastes so bad, we just immediately spit it out. There are certain tastes that we dislike so much that it doesn't matter the circumstance. It's not going to be consumed. Today, Pastor James wants you to know that being lukewarm is the taste that Jesus hates most. You need to decide for yourself what kind of person you really want to be in life. If you let culture take control, then you'll never experience the greatest things that come from living for Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. This is uh, Leviticus 26 and 27, the last two chapters, and 26 is a classic chapter in all of the Bible. How many times have you ever heard that? Leviticus 26 is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. You probably have never heard that before, have you? No, I'm, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet all the money in my wallet, which is zero, um, that you have never heard that before, okay? Because uh, today was the first time I've ever heard somebody say that. And uh, was, uh, I was reading, reading up on some Tony Evans stuff, and he said, Leviticus 26, one of the best chapters in the whole Bible. And I was like, well, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It's, an, it's a fun one because it has like the um, blessings for obedience and uh, what happens if you choose to disobey. So that's how this chapter splits up. So let's, let's go through this thing. It says, do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculpted stones in your land so you may worship them. Okay, so he's already setting the precedent, but this is right in line with the Ten Commandments. Don't set up any graven images, no idols, no idolatry. That is, and that is the biggest, I think, sin that we contend with within ourselves. And the biggest idol I have a problem worshiping is myself. And that may, may sound weird to you, but if, if I'm focusing so much time on myself, then I'm worshiping myself. Because where are you spending your time? Usually is a good indicator for where your focus is and where your devotion is. If 99% of my day is spent thinking about James, then I may have set up an idol within my heart, and that would be me, okay? So now, don't go crazy where you're like, oh, great, I don't know how much time I spend devoting to, to God. Well, we want to work on that for sure. I want to grow in that to where I'm praying without ceasing, and my, my, my mind is, is kept fixed on him, and my eyes are fixed on him, and I want to grow to where it's less me, more him, okay? So no, no idols, no carved images, none of that stuff. He says, I'm the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I'm the Lord, okay? So again, here it is with the Sabbath day rest. Respect that, honor that, but then also honor, respect, show reverence towards his sanctuary, Okay, his dwelling place. 
Nowadays, it's not so much this building. I would ask that you show respect for this building by not trashing it, um, because our guys like to clean this building. And poor Robert, keep him in your prayers, because he has all sorts of sinus problems. And he texted me today, and he texted me today, and he says, hey, um, man, I've been in and out of the ER this week, and I have a bunch of sinus stuff going on. He's probably going to have to have surgery. He's like, I- I'm sorry for not showing up and cleaning the church, you know? And he's like, can you forget, you know, like that? And I'm like, well, are you crazy? Like, no, don't come to the church and clean. <laughs> like, you're in and out of the ER. Uh, so for Robert's sake, we respect this place. We try to keep it clean and all that. But really, God's dwelling place is you as a believer, So you ought to show reverence and respect for the temple. Yeah, his dwelling place. Which means don't beat up on it. Don't trash it. Don't let garbage in. Keep it clean. That also means within your own house, like you're not going around and messing it up with, you know, woe is me and all this stuff. It's like, no, this is the dwelling place of the Lord. Show reverence towards where he dwells, where he dwells. Again, not making yourself an idol, but if he occupies space with inside of you, if you are, as Paul would say to the church of Corinth, the temple, then you ought to respect that. We ought to respect that, okay? Verse three, if you follow my decrees, if, that's a big word for this whole chapter, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops, and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. That is a big if. If you do these things, you have nothing to worry about. Your harvest will overlap each other, meaning you'll never go without. Just when this harvest is ending and you're enjoying the fruits of that harvest, the other harvest is beginning. And you go from one harvest to another harvest to another harvest. What, what a place to be. That's an amazing place to be. But that's all contingent upon the if. God's like, I'll do my part if you do your part. If you do your part. And again, this isn't about a performance. This is about a commitment to God. This is about a covenantal thing that we have with him. And he says, look, I will take care of you. I will bless you with an abundance if you do what I say. If you do what I say. There's going to be a lot more of that. He says, I will, verse 6, I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a 100, and a 100 of you will chase 10,000. All of your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. What a problem to have. What a problem to have. And I'm, you know, you may be thinking about this as like, you know, agriculturally. I'm thinking of this spiritually with souls. Like, we got to make room because more people are getting saved. What a problem to have. What a problem to have. It's harvest upon harvest upon harvest. We got to go to two services because too many people are showing up and they're getting, their lives are being transformed because of what? Because of Jesus and his word and us showing up knowing how to be servants of all, 
That's what we, we want to see. Not for bragging rights, because Calvary Galveston is just, a, it's just his church. But man, what a place to be where it'd be like, we have no room because the Lord keeps bringing all these people, and it is the Lord who builds the church. But he keeps bringing all these people, and they're getting saved, and then more people are coming. And now we got to do just, and it reminds me of those old days for, I'm a Calvary Chapel guy. I'm a Chuck Smith guy. I love that guy to death, man. But it reminds me of those days where he was like, we, we, were, we built a building, and as soon as we were done constructing it, it was too small. So we built another building that's bigger. And as soon as we got done building that building, it was too small. Why? Because the Lord kept bringing people because of the harvest. Why? Because they were obedient to him. They were just obedient to him. And I understand that that's a microcosm of that whole Jesus movement. The Calvary Chapel was a big part of that, but it wasn't the only part of that. Other churches were seeing the same dynamics happening, and it was beautiful. Wouldn't it be sweet to see that today? Wouldn't it be amazing to see that today? You got to clear out the old harvest because it's like, we got to make room for the new harvest. That doesn't mean we're kicking people out of the church. (laughs) Adios. Um, How long have you been here? Oh, too long. You're out of here, right? No, not at all. But what we would do is like, okay, well, half of you go over there and you go plan another church. And then half of you go over that way and you go plan another church because why? We don't need to be a mega church. It's much better to have lots of Bible preaching, Jesus following, Christ centered churches all along the South Coast. That's my vision. That's what I would love to see happen. Pray that that would be the Lord's will. So, but these are good things. He's like, you, you got nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. I'll make your land fertile, all the good stuff. But here is the, here's one of the, the coolest things, okay? So you have the surplus of, cro- of the crops. You'll need to clear out the old grain to make for the new harvest. Verse 11 is the absolute biggest and best blessing out of all of this whole list. I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Yeah, bring on the harvest, but you know what? Lord, we want your presence. We want your presence. And we want when people show up here that they're like, I just felt like the presence of the Lord was there. I felt like God was there. That's what we want. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Who, who what? He brought, you out of, he, bought, he brought you out of bondage. He, he brought you out of slavery. So you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck. So you can walk with your heads held high. I love that. You're set free. And that, the idea there, I, kinda, I like the New Living Translation's wording of that, but it, really it's saying like, so you can walk with this, this sort of confidence, not in who you are, but who he is and what he's done for you. As Christians, we should walk with our heads held high. Why? Because of who he is. Because I don't have any shame. He's freed me of that shame. And I'm not ashamed of him. So it's like he, he set me free from bondage. He set me free from slavery so that I could walk with my head held high. I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I am. I got no problem with that. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I proudly declare that. I will proudly represent him. Proudly. Why? Because he delivered me from Egypt. That is why. Because he's my God. And because he walks with me. Beautiful, right? Like, this is great. If, if you obey, if you obey, what a great motivation to just obey, to just do what he says, right? Like, man, that's, these are all things, you're all shaking your heads. These are all things we want. But here's the punishments for the disobedience. 
because you have to have you have to have the rest of this chapter. We don't like the rest of this chapter, but we have to have the rest of this chapter. And let me throw in a little side note here. Um, I praise God for the grace of God. Because I'm going to read through this last part of this chapter, and I'm going to be like, mm, I think I'm guilty of a lot of stuff here. And I praise God for his grace. First John 4.19 says that we, what we love him because he first loved us. And that's kind of what we're getting here from Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26. Verse 14, though, says this, however, and this is where I, I should have circled the if in, in verse 3. I would encourage you, you can go back to this chapter and, and circle all the ifs that are, that are represented within here. But this is where I began circling all the ifs. If you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt, and refusing to obey my commands. Now, please note that that's not like an, an absent-mindedness, like, oh, oops, I, I slipped, I messed up, I, I forgot, or anything. This is like rebellion. This is flat-out rebellion, okay? These are like refusing. This is making a stand against him and his word is really kind of what's going on here. This is flat-out rebellion. He says, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even when no one is chasing you. You will no longer walk with your heads held high. You will live as cowards fleeing from your own shadow. The sad reality of this last half of this chapter, this all comes true for Israel. And it doesn't take long. And all you have to do is just flip over, really just, I mean, the book of Judges is a prime example of their flat-out rebellion against him. And every one of these things seems to happen. Because God will, he, he is true to his word. He's true to his word. He initiated the covenant. He has always had held his part of the covenant. And he gives it to us of like, okay, now will you obey? Are you going to obey? Verse 18, it says, and if, if, and if in spite of all of this, you still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over for your sins. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops, and your trees will bear no fruit. If even then you remain hostile towards me, you see what's going on here. He's like, okay, if you don't want to, if you just flat out want to refuse to obey me, all right, here's what's going to happen. Okay, in spite of, even with that, in spite of all that, you want to continue to disobey me, well, you can expect these things to happen. Oh, if if you even continue to rebel against me. I mean, you see the progression that's happening here. If you remain, what, hostile towards me and refuse to obey me, I will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. I will send wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility towards me, then I myself will be hostile towards you. 
I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. That's another repeated phrase throughout there. I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the, of the covenant you have broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there. And you will be handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supply so that 10 women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. They will ration your food by weight. And though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. So it just progresses. But again, the severity of the punishment matches the severity of the rebellion. So God has constantly given them opportunities. All you got to do is repent. All you have to do is repent. Oh, you don't want to repent. Oh, your hostility towards me is growing stronger and stronger. Okay, well, then the punishment will grow stronger and stronger because that's how it should work. But the whole time, God is so gracious, and he is allowing them time to repent. And we'll see that towards the end of the chapter. The same applies to us today. I don't really walk in a fear of punishment from God because, praise God, number one, I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, man, he drank from that cup of suffering for me and for you. So I don't have to walk around cowering of like, oh, I made a mistake. Now God's going to squash me, right? No, now it's the thing of like, because it's relationship, it's like, Lord, I made a mistake. Will you please forgive me? It's us owning it and asking for forgiveness. Why? Because we're in a relationship, a covenantal relationship with God. But he's dealing with a very hard, stiff-necked people. And he's throwing this all out there because he knows what's going to happen. And you can imagine them receiving this or them hearing this, and they're like, never us, <laughs> never us. We would never do that to you, God. In fact, I know that's true because if you read the end of Deuteronomy, they say, all that you have said, Moses, we will do. And then Joshua shows up, and Joshua says the same thing. And they say, all that you have said, Joshua, we will do. We will honor the Lord with our whole lives. And then they start checking off the list of every single one of these things. And the, when the compromise started happening... Note that, that the hostility grew, ever increasing. And then it was compromise, and then a little more compromise. And with each step, progressive step towards more compromise, grew the hostility towards God. And that's sometimes how that works. If you've ever found yourself in that position, where then you're just mad at God. Well, are you living in obedience towards God? Or are you living in rebellion towards God? Because I often find that people who are living in rebellion towards God are often angry at God. It's true for the nation of Israel. The same principle works with us as well. Verse 27, here's another one. If, okay, in spite of all of this, you still refuse to listen. See, he's given them grace. He's still given them opportunities to listen, to hear him, and still remain hostile towards me. Then I will give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. Seven is the number of completion. Some people say perfection. I like the word completion a little bit better. Then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. Look at the, the, the depravity of where we're heading down. Rebellion is leading towards these types of things, things that are unimaginable, unthinkable. Nobody would ever do that. Well, ones who are in flat-out rebellion towards God will find themselves doing a lot of things they imagine they would never would do. I will destroy your pagan shrines. I will knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols. That is a powerful statement. And I will despise you. 
I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings. That should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. Oh, you're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to be a light to the nations. You're supposed to be an example, a witness to the nations. Yet when, the, when these pagan nations show up, they will be disgusted by what they see with you. We got it wrong. It's backwards. They'll be appalled at what they see. I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate. Your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate. While you are in exile in the land of your enemies. When did that happen? Babylon, right? You guys remember that? Yeah, God, God is true to his word. We, we've already saw this within uh, Leviticus 24 and 25, where God says, you will give my land rest. Oh, and if you don't want to do it, then I will make it happen. And I'll get you out of the land so that the land has that many years of rest. Because over 490 years of disobeying God, at some point in time, the check's going to show up. And God's going to cash in on that and be like, all right, you didn't want to do it when I, gave, when I offered it to you. You didn't want to do it the easy way. So now you get to go be as in bondage towards your, to your enemies while my land gets the rest that it deserves. We see that this, this happens. This is fulfilled, okay? It says, and for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though fleeing from a sword, and you will fall even when no one pursues you. Though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. So he's just, he's just dropping it on them. Like, okay, hey, here's just a heads up. You'll, I missed one. I can't see your fingers, though. Okay, thank you. Um, 35. Wait, wait, I skip that one. Oh, as long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy rest. That, I thought I read that, but I didn't. Um, that you, will, uh, you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. So there you go. My bad. Verse 40. Just going to move on. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile towards me. Here's the, the silver lining, right? So you have the first part, verses 1 through 13, which is what we all want, right? If you obey me, here's what happens. Here's the blessings. But it does take, it's a, it's a conditional thing. You have to obey. You want to receive these things, you have to obey. That's just how it is. Now, I understand context-wise, we're, we're keeping it historical. This was a def, first application was to the nation of Israel. But there is application for us as well. Okay? I believe that when you are obedient to, to God, that he blesses that. Okay? Now, this isn't a prosperity thing, but it is a practical thing. Okay? So it, it does make sense of like, God's like, yeah, you're obedient. So yeah, he is going to bless you. And then there are times, and this is a, just what confuses me more than anything, there are times where in our rebellion or turning away from him that he still chooses to bless us. But is it to the extent that we deserve? Probably not. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. 
Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through, with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally, and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.